I don't know if any of you have noticed, but there is a cultural phenomenon happening called deconstruction. Has anyone been aware that this is happening? People are, people are beginning to look at things about their faith and they're beginning to pull them apart and dissect them as if they were a frog in a science room. And as people do this, they are beginning to reach a lot of different conclusions about a lot of different things. People are writing books about deconstruction. People are talking about what it, what it might look like to not embrace the things that maybe someone was raised to embrace. And when that happens, and when that happened in the past 10 years or so, we started to hear pastors say things like this. Listen, friends. The church is like Noah's Ark. It's smelly inside, and it's stinky, and it's a mess. But if you get out, you'll drown. You can't get out because you'll drown. And we started to hear things like, don't walk away, don't walk away from the faith because if you walk away from, from this thing, you're walking away from everything that's ever existed in this realm of who God is and who Jesus is. And yet, sometimes it doesn't sit right. And so what I wanted to say before I do the final lesson on the Beatitudes for our series, Rachel preached and then Jordan preached. And when I say this to my close friends, they always say, oh, no, 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 Rod, you're good too. But honestly, those two are way better teachers than I am. They know how to open the Bible. They know how to look into context. They know how to find things and apply them. And so every time I get to sit under them and listen to them explain something in the Bible, I get really, really, really pumped. And me personally, I get tired of listening to myself talk. And so I love it that we have this three-person rotation and hopefully it will be even more in the future. But I want you guys to be as thankful as I am for Rachel and Jordan. How are we doing on the oranges, Naomi, passing them out? Are we doing well? You guys think she's doing good? I think she's doing Can I have one? All right, thank you. All right, any kids not get an orange? Raise your hand. Oh, Naomi, you did awesome. Let's give her a hand. She did really good. So what I wanted to say about deconstruction before I jump into the Beatitudes is this. If you're struggling with faith stuff, if you know someone who's struggling with faith stuff, if you've seen deconstruction begin to happen, I want to explain this in a simple way to you to eliminate some fear. Not only do we believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land, you can hang on to him if you want, in the land of the living, we believe that God is a sovereign God, and we believe that God is moving to bring his kingdom into this world. And so when, if someone is deconstructing their faith, here's the sentence, are you ready? If someone is deconstructing something, they're really only examining a cultural expression of Christianity that has existed for about the past 50 years in this country. 
They're not examining the North African church that has existed since the day Jesus gave Peter the authority to build his church. They're not examining the Greek or Eastern Orthodox church that has existed and claimed to be directly from Jesus when he met with Peter by a fire and said, Peter, you're my rock and upon this rock I will build my church. They're not deconstructing the Catholic church that claims Peter was their, the first pope. They're not deconstructing Anglican that has existed for far longer than most of our present denominations. When someone says they're deconstructing their faith, they're examining their experience that has existed for a very short time in a very small cultural expression of this world. In a small one that hasn't existed that long. And to be honest, in a lot of ways, has got a lot of things wrong and has hurt a lot of people. And so when someone says, this is what I, where I'm at, we can come alongside and say, how can I walk with this with you? Because maybe what you're doing isn't that bad. And maybe it's not nearly as scary as you've been made to believe it's scary. Maybe it's something that needs to happen so that you can finally embrace more closely than you have before what it means to follow Jesus, who stood by his disciples after he had risen from the dead by a campfire and said, Peter, you're my rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's something unique that Jesus is up to, and that has a lot less to do with these big institutions that we've built and a lot more to do with simply what Jesus is up to. So be not afraid. I say it like an angel to you. You can examine. You can explore. And you can get closer to Jesus, even if it means stepping away from some things that have caused you pain. Beatitudes in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20, Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus entered into this time where levels had already been made. You are blessed if you are on the top. You are blessed if you are the most sinless. Literally, the Pharisees had taken the Ten Commandments and they said, okay, we, can't, we don't want to get close to these things. We don't want to break these laws. And so, therefore, we're going to build fences around these laws. And then we're going to build fences around those fences. And then one more fence around those fences. And we'll tell everybody not to touch the outermost fence. And if they don't touch that fence, then we'll know that we're safe because they'll never get to that thing that we're really not supposed to break. And then they started to say, well, you're good if you never touch the fence. And all of these people 
who for whatever reason, maybe how they were born, where they were born, how they did church, where they came from, their generations, how much money they made, how successful they were, couldn't actually live by the rules of not touching the outer fence. And so they were told, you are not blessed. And we have all these people who can't exist in these religious circles because it doesn't really work. And they already can't exist in the Roman Empire if they don't have Roman blood. And so everyone is suffering and Jesus enters the scene with a new reality of who is blessed. And he starts by saying, blessed are you who are poor in this time, in this world, in this season of life that Jesus was in. That, friends, is a lot of people. It's not a small minority. It's most it's everyone who has their throat stepped on by the Roman Empire, and when they try to fit into a different institution, they get their throat stepped on by that thing called church, and there's no way to do it. And Jesus says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. For you are the ones who get to see God move just below the surface. I love that testimony of the billionaire who had a brand new Rolls Royce and he lost his keys and then he prayed about it because he was having a real bad day. He had lost his keys. He prayed about it and he was like, Lord, I really need help finding my keys. And the spirit sparked in his heart to look inside his golden couch and below the sapphire cushion was the crystal key. Which is never a testimony we hear. Because the people who get to see God moving just below the surface are those of us who are poor. Are those of us who have either put ourselves in a situation where if God doesn't move, we're screwed. Or those of us who find ourselves in situations where if God doesn't move, we're screwed. Blessed are you who are poor because yours is the kingdom of God. The reality that God is moving below the surface now belongs to you because your eyes are open to it because you have not surrounded yourself with idols. We have a call to move towards poverty if we want to be blessed, if we want to see the kingdom of God. Because when we enter into those spaces, God moves just below the surface. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Jesus must have had some kind of impression of what eternity was going to be like. Because He's saying, if you're hungry, and not in a spiritual sense, if you're literally hungry now, you're blessed. Because I, God, am going to take care of you. You will be satisfied. Let's read that backwards. And I don't recommend doing this with the Bible, but just for a thought exercise. You're not blessed if you're not hungry. You won't be satisfied. 
There's a reality that when we set our lives up to satisfy ourselves and to make ourselves comfortable, we are never satisfied. Have you ever heard the quote, the more you make, the more you spend? Let me get a good job so I can get a big house. Let me get a a promotion so that I can buy a garage and attach that to my house. And let me get a raise so that I can store more stuff in that garage because I'm never satisfied. And in the end, Jesus says, you'll die like a man who had a bunch of extra grain and put it in silos. And when he died, everyone came and took his grain. He was never, never, ever satisfied. Blessed are you if in the world's eyes you are not satisfied. Because God will satisfy you. And the way we think changes. Blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you. When they insult you. And when they reject your name as evil because of me, Jesus. Blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you. When they insult you. And when they call you evil because of Jesus. Blessed are you when you're chasing after the way of Jesus with your life. Blessed are you when people around you who think that they are spiritual, who call themselves spiritual, who have set up spiritual hierarchies for you to exist in and submit to and move down those lanes like like a bumpered bowling alley. Blessed are you when you, because of the Son of Man, follow Jesus so closely with your heart that those places insult you and they call you evil because you have given your life to following Jesus. Not given your life to advancing a kingdom that claims Jesus' name, but given your life to actually following Jesus. Because when that happens, when people insult you, when people call you out, when people exclude you, and when you're part of those conversations that you never really hear when others say, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about her. I don't know if you should include her because what they're doing is a little weird and it doesn't really match with how we've done things. Blessed are you. Because their forefathers did the same things to God's prophets who were trying to teach the nation of Israel to love the outcast, to welcome the stranger, to serve the poor, to forgive the debt, and to find a way to bring God's reality to earth now blessed are you rejoice in that day because great is your reward in heaven why would your reward in heaven be great because when you're focusing that much on who jesus is to the point where everyone else even who who claims that way sees it and is confused by it and insults it and goes after it and puts you down because of it when you actually are stepping toward Jesus in that way and you're realizing that blessed are the poor because they get to see God move. Blessed are the hungry because they're being satisfied in ways I could have never even imagined. When you start to see that, you realize that you're getting to participate in heaven coming to earth. And so Jesus says, 
Blessed are you when you find yourself in these situations because great is your reward in heaven because it's not just a then heaven. It's a now heaven. Blessed are you. Blessed is Rachel. Because God is moving below the surface. And God is saying, you don't have to follow the rules to own a home the way the world says to follow the rules. I can make it happen through my people who don't save their money for themselves, but give it so that someone can be satisfied. Everything we're trying to do at chapel, everything we're trying to do through Edison Initiatives, everything we're trying to do with our lives is to live in a constant repentance that the things that we have once called blessed, the things that we have once called good, the things that we have once called right, might just not be what Jesus calls good and blessed and right. And if we can repent and move towards Jesus, we will know that we're moving in the right direction when we're insulted and when we're excluded and when we're told, you're not doing it like us. And that can only happen if we're following Jesus who was told the exact same thing. So there's a rant And I don't want you to hear me saying we're the good guys and they're the bad guys with what I'm saying. Because what I want to get at with this short little message of which I have about four minutes left is this. Following Jesus is about repentance. Following Jesus is when I say, man, it's been really great being a white man in this country. I have been given so many opportunities, so easy for me to get a house loan, not even an issue, college, everything. And when I realize that I've benefited from something that has harmed other people, I can repent and I can say, Jesus, how can I be a part of healing that? I no longer want to benefit from something that harms other people. I want to repent and I want to know what it's like to embrace the reality when you say, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who mourn now. And I want to be part of bringing that blessing. Not so that I can say, look at me, I've exited. But so that I can really watch and see how Jesus wants me to live. And so the question we have to ask ourselves in our repentance is this. If the kingdom of God belongs to the poor, does the kingdom of God belong to me? And if the answer is no, the question is how do I get there? How do I get to the place where I get to see God move just below the surface? If the hungry are the ones who are satisfied, Am I actually satisfied? Or have I built up so many things in my life 
that I won't ever find that satisfaction. If the kingdom of God is for those who mourn, and God has a deeper joy for those who through repentance mourn of the things that their life has brought harm to others, am I, am I receiving the joy of the Lord? Or do I have some work to do? If I'm blessed when people hate me and exclude me and insult me and reject me as evil because I'm following Jesus, then am I following Jesus? Don't get me wrong. I'm not, this is not a heaven or hell conversation in my mind. This is a, am I following Jesus so much so that everybody else doesn't understand it and that I get insulted for it? My hope for us at chapel is that we try to follow Jesus so differently and so authentically and so naturally that it makes everything around us uncomfortable. Because more than anything, I just want to know what it means to be blessed. And I want to know what it means to be satisfied. And I want to know what it means to be able to say, I followed Jesus even when everybody else thought what I was doing was evil. And now you start to see how Jesus goes around this world and including and drawing and bringing people towards himself. And it's always, it's always the one that the world has pushed away. It's always the one that religious institutions have pushed away. And in those spaces, something magical happens. And I want to be part of those spaces. And I hope you do too. So Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the end of the week. Thank you for Rachel and Jordan who taught on the Beatitudes and Thank you that you give us plenty to think about and consider. Transform us to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen.